This podcast is for information purposes only and is not and should not be construed as professional advice or an offer or commitment by any Rabobank group member to enter into a transaction. The views expressed by the presenter and or guest are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Rabobank. Please see the podcast description for our full disclaimer. Welcome to Rabo Talks Growing Our Future, where we talk to experts from both here in New Zealand and across the world to bring New Zealand farmers and growers the information they need to make informed, strategic decisions about the future direction of their business to ensure they continue to thrive in a fast-changing world. As the world looks to displace fossil fuels, the source of many man-made fibres, wool is a great solution. And yet there's a generation of farmers that have never had a good year with wool. I'm your host today, Katie Rodwell, and this week we're discussing what the future looks like for the strong wool sector, how there is a silver lining and just how we get to that silver lining. Wool Impact is a business charged with improving the demand and value of our strong wool. They're an all-encompassing advocacy and resource hub for inspiration and information about the best natural fibre in the world. And they're setting out to solve problems with wool and in doing so, reinstating demand and value for New Zealand strong wool growers. So surely the future must be bright. Today, I'm delighted to have Andy Coy hailing from a farm in West Otago. He understands that connecting growers and brands and vice versa is the key to sustainable partnerships for wool. He's the CEO of Wool Impact, so I couldn't think of a better person to talk to about the future of the strong wool sector. Andy, a big welcome to Growing Our Future podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Katie. Before we get into the topic of the strong wool sector, can you please introduce yourself to us and give us some insight into your career to date and how you've ended up at Wool Impact? Yeah, I'd love to, Katie. My name's Andy Coy and I'm CEO at Wool Impact Limited, originally raised on a sheep farm in West Otago, uh, where we were running Perindales and cattle. So I was raised on a sheep property and that afforded us the, the benefit of three children going away to boarding school and that was on the strength of the wool check. And so we've been great beneficiaries of wool in the past. That took me to Lincoln, Lincoln University, and then like many young Kiwis, I took off on my overseas experience and ended up in Scotland where I wanted to work in the textile mills. Uh, And it was during my time there that I got approached by a friend of mine, John Brackenridge, who was just setting up what was Merino New Zealand, and that was back in 1996. And so I joined what was Merino New Zealand, and then transitioned across to the New Zealand Merino Company in 1996. And I've had the real benefit of being able to work with New Zealand Merino fibre and taking that to luxury brands around the world and building new pathways. And that's taken us from living in Scotland, Italy, back to Christchurch, and then working with brand partners in the United States and and back to England. So I've spent, uh, since 1996, living and working with New Zealand Merino Wool offshore, which also led to the establishment of my own company called Armadillo Merino. And that was after seeing soldiers being injured during the Iraq war and then in Afghanistan from wearing synthetic base layers and that need to wear something safe and and protective next to the skin. So I've created a company that's specifically looking after professionals work in high-risk environments, and we're supplying police, fire, military around the world. With COVID and uh, Brexit, we decided we'd return back to New Zealand to to come back for aging parents. 
and to enjoy what New Zealand's got to offer after having spent so many years abroad. And it was that return back to New Zealand that got me uh, reconnected with the strong wool sector and an approach was made to me by John Rodwell mm-hmm. to join the Strong Wool Action Group. And so I joined the Strong Wool Action Group towards the end of 2020. And that's been the beginning of my involvement in the strong wool sector. Firstly, wow, what a fascinating background. I can't wait to sort of explore some of those experiences you would have had overseas. But before we go there, can you just talk to us a little bit about the Strong Wool Action Group for those that don't know kind of why that was put together and what its purpose was? The Strong Wool Action Group came about, well, prior to that, there was a wool technical advisory group had been formed to look at what needed to be done within the strong wool sector. And through that was the creation of the Strong Wool Action Group, which brought together industry leaders to look specifically at what the strategic approach should be to help transform the strong wool sector, give it a strategic direction and return it to profitability. And through the involvement of that board of industry leaders, uh, we developed a business strategy and approach for the strong wool sector, which in many ways emulates and reflects on what's been done within the merino sector. And through that, we went out and canvassed different entities. So we visited the meat companies and, and wool companies to look at core funding to get this initiative underway. And that funding was put in place in 2022. And that was the, the formation of what is now Wool Impact was in July 2022. So we've been in existence for, for 18 months now. So it's a collaborative approach. Um, we've got five of the, the main meat companies and Woolworks. Uh, Woolworks is a, a really important conduit in the value chain in New Zealand processing around 85% of the wool that's uh, grown in New Zealand before it's exported and supported through MPI, the Sustainable Food and Fibre Initiative, uh, with the government putting in 40%. So importantly, Wool Impact is not a trading company. We're here to facilitate change. So our role is not to fund things just for the sake of enhancing a specific individual company, but it's looking at taking a strategic vision and creating a pathway for change, a transitional change that can take place. So the initiatives that we're undertaking are based around building platforms for long and sustainable growth for the strong wool sector and returning growers to a point in time where they can be profitable again from their wool check and have sustainable returns that they can start to invest in their properties and in their livestock. Okay, so before we talk about some of those initiatives that Wool Impact are kind of focused on, Wool is obviously one of the world's wonders and it just baffles me and probably most of the Kiwis here in New Zealand that we get near to nothing in terms of returns for it. Like what, what's what gone on? What what do you think's happened in that space? I honestly find it mind-boggling. <laughs> it's baffling. There's a complete disconnect to what consumers are wanting to buy and transact that is better for the planet and more sustainable and what's happening here in New Zealand with the price and, and returns that we're getting for wool. Wool has uh, strong wool, I should say, as opposed to the merino wool. Merino wool's found an amazing niche. And with that transition from suiting into outdoor and lifestyle, it's it's found an amazing repositioning, which um, has taken the last 28 years to achieve. Strong wool sector 
we must have been probably 40 years ago in building a better understanding as to what creates a safe, clean and healthy environment. Uh, strong walls traditionally used in interiors and we have failed to develop and nurture brands that work in that space that can convey the, the amazing attributes of wool and, and what it can do to enhance the lives that we live. So we've gone from the days where we had more than 70 million sheep and we were transacting our strong wool as a commodity when there weren't a lot of synthetics around. Synthetics have eaten our lunch. <laughs> they've, yeah. they've outdeveloped us. They've outmarketed us. Outpriced? Yeah, mm-hmm. undermined our price point. And they've been very clever with their marketing, but a lot of their fiber attributes, their mono attributes, they've got a single characteristic that, that's great. But if you look at the the compilation of, of attributes that Wool's got, there is nothing that can compete against it. Mm. And so we've failed to present it to the marketplace in a way that's relevant to consumers or relevant to companies wanting to enhance what's around them. So the challenge that we've got is we are still transacting Wool, the strong Wool, in the same way that we were 40 or 50 years ago. Wow. We're shifting it as a commodity. We lose our provenance once it goes offshore. So the the whole all the things that make New Zealand strong wool special are lost at the first point of purchase and it's being blended and we lose our identity. And this is exactly what was happening with the merino sector back in the 90s. And so we what we have to do is look at decommodifying the clip and saying of the world total world production, there's only four hundred thousand tons of strong wool. And we produce a quarter of it. We produce 100,000 tonnes. Wow. But of the, the global market, we probably provide two-thirds of the world's premium strong wool because of the attributes of our fibre. It's, it's length, it's strength, it's whiteness and brightness, and it's consistent volume. So we've got an amazing resource here. So we need to change the way that we're positioning it in the market, that this isn't just about shifting bales of wool. This is actually about connecting with brands who will recognize and value what we've got as a fiber and can start to tell stories about the provenance and about what we do on our on our farms, on our properties, the, the biodiversity, the animal health, and, and the care and attention that these farmers put into producing their wool fiber. But to do that, we need to find brands. And from a strategic approach, one of the anchors, the really important anchors for us at Wool Impact is to engage with international brands who recognize and value what Wool offers and for us to provide the tools, the essential tools to support them in creating new markets. But we can't just tap into any brands. We need disruptive brands. And so it's not necessarily looking for the biggest. And we've seen great examples of Merino, again, what Icebreaker did in refining that base layer market and then what we've seen recently with Allbirds here's a small company that can be disruptive and help transform a whole category. So we're looking for brands that can be category disruptors. And those could be New Zealand brands wanting to export overseas and that we can position them with their strong points of difference and use them to tell stories that can help differentiate what New Zealand strong will can offer. Oh my gosh, I love this topic. I've got so many questions. I guess like this is any marketer's dream, right? Like you've got everything to tell. You just need to find the right markets to speak to. How are you going about that? Because I guess to be realistic, again, in my head, like the fine wool sectors 
a bit more sexy, you know, it goes into suits, it goes into lifestyle, like, whereas strong wool, it's more, traditionally, it's sort of gone more into that kind of interior carpets, that sort of thing, which I can imagine is a little bit harder to get that, like, high-end market price. Like, it feels like strong wool goes into sort of more boring sort of things versus, like, clothing and fashion and that kind of thing. So, I mean, you, you're going to tell me I'm wrong, which I can't wait for because I want to draw that out. Like, how how do we how do we get that value and find those brands and those kind of disruptive categories as you're talking about? So, Katie, one of the things that we're trying to do is change the perception of wool, and so your perception of wool is quite tip- of strong wool is quite typical of many consumers that it is a functional product that goes into the home and it doesn't have that same sexiness that could be associated with with apparel, but we would like to challenge that. And this is all about brands telling stories in a more effective way. And if we look at the product categories that we're operating in, we look at core, adjacent, and transformational. So if we look at our core, and this is the traditional application for where we use strong wool, and that's traditional carpeting, wall-to-wall carpeting. But even that's changing as a category. In the United States, that wall-to-wall carpeting has dropped from 65% of the market share to 35%. So that's being superseded by hard flooring and by towers. So people have better insulated homes. So the traditional application for wall-to-wall carpet is diminishing because people have better heating in their homes and they're looking for a different look and feel. So the manufacturers of traditional broadloom carpets have had to adapt. So what they're looking now at is area rugs, and these can be decorative and functional, and they can be a piece of art. And in addition to that is the opportunity to create tiles made from carpet, which can be put into both residential and commercial applications. So carpet tiles is probably one of the most exciting areas for development for the strongwall sector because it provides versatility and it can be put into high-rise apartments and it can be self-installed. But beyond the core, this is where we move into a much more expansive category and that's looking at the adjacent. And probably one of the most expansive areas of development for that is in the non-woven sector. So we're familiar with non-woven because wool has been put into insulation. We've got local companies like Terralana who are developing it. But there's a much broader range of applications that this non-woven category can cater for. Where we're seeing really exciting developments is in that acoustic panel space. So with the advent of hard flooring, you've got a tremendous problem with noise. How do you accommodate that noise and and reduce the din that, that comes from it, whether it be in a home or in a bar or restaurant? And how many times have you been into a restaurant and the noise just elevates? So wool acoustic panels are a fantastic way of transforming wool into a product that's universally required. So unlike carpets, which go into the traditional Anglo-Saxon markets and typically into, into more colder countries, Acoustic panels have applications throughout the world and a really broad range of buildings. So from schools to libraries to offices to hospitals, as well as um, theatres and concert halls through to your own home. So wool going into this space is a wonderful application. And what we're seeing is great creativity from from domestic companies here who are creating three-dimensional. And so they can actually become features they can become a piece of art, they can add colour and contour and create something that's visually very, very attractive. You even describing that 
kind of category sounds much more trendy than, you know, what you'd typically think strong will goes into. So it's interesting even just hearing that you're like, okay, yeah, I can see where you can then start getting value. In addition to that, the non-woven is we're seeing great expansion by companies like Big Safe putting it into bedding and furniture as a breathable flame retardant piece. Um, you've got Wisewell putting it into mattresses and duvets and pillows. And right down to personal hygiene products, there's a, a company called Wolfamy that's making uh, components to go into sanitary products, into nappies, wow. or uh, Lanico that's putting it into air filtration systems that's going into buildings, cafes and restaurants as a natural air filtration system that can be disposed of. Uh, they're supplying NASA so that ability to create a much broader category in that adjacent space is, is pretty exciting. And it's a much more cost-effective way for people to add value to wool domestically. So from a consumption point of view, at the moment, 85% of our strong wool is being exported abroad. But with the advent of this non-woven process, we are seeing significant growth with domestic brands who have export aspirations. And within the next five years, we're seeing that growth going from 15% of domestic consumption up to 40%. Wow. So here you've, here you've got local brands that can be connecting with growers and telling a, a local story and catering for the local market, but with export potential. That's awesome to hear. In addition to the adjacent, we also have what we refer to as the transformational category. So this is re rethinking wool as a fibre, and we've got the ability to transform wool fibre into pigments, powders, and particles. And it's opening up for a whole range of new new products, including skincare, which are safe to, safe to put onto the skin. It can be absorbed by the skin without any detrimental um, harm to the body. Um, so lipsticks, bronzers, printer inks, and then we could also look at wet spinning the fibre. So you take a, a fibre that's stronger than 30 microns and turning it into a super fine fibre, which could be worn as intimate apparel next to skin. So there's some really interesting developments being done by Rons and being presented into the marketplace by Woolsource. So Andy... How are you making it easy for these brands to choose wool? Like what is what are you at Wool Impact specifically doing? Like how are you connecting with those brands? How are you choosing them? And what are you communicating to them about wool? The task for us is to identify brands who, within their core values, recognize the benefit of telling a natural fiber story. And what we're wanting to do is position not just wool, but specifically New Zealand strong wool. So Part of the task that we've got is, is building connectivity with existing manufacturers and processes of wool and convincing them that they should be using New Zealand strong wool. And then we're also identifying companies that are working with synthetics. They are under increased pressure because of the pressure to recycle and repurpose the, the fibre, but also end of life. And when we challenge a lot of these companies about the the life cycle of a synthetic fibre, they don't take account of extraction and they don't take account of the uh, end of life. And they're saying, look how good and virtuous our fibre is. But what we're doing with our LCAs is we're actually demonstrating the true impact that wool fibre has. So when we go in and speak to these companies, we're offering them 
the full picture and we're conveying a story around the attributes, the functional attributes and the holistic attributes of, of New Zealand's strong wool. So firstly, educating and people, bringing people up to speed with the multi-attribute characteristics of wool and then being able to support them with the tools that they need to differentiate their product offering in the marketplace or also to meet the demands of what their customer base is looking at. So with Strongwool, there's actually two very clear markets for their end-use products. So you've got the consumer or residential market. So these are products that are personally chosen and go into the home. So going back to the product categories that we've looked at before, you're making a personal choice. So a lot of what we're supporting these brands with are those more holistic aspects of Know, something that's safe and clean and healthy for raising your family. And we can talk about the uh, wool's ability to absorb sound and odors um, and VOCs. So it's a health and well-being narrative. My brother's wife works at New Zealand Marino and she told me once, I can't remember now, the statistic of how much like microplastics are in your home because if you've got a synthetic carpet, like how much we're breathing in and stuff just in your day-to-day life. It was like freaky when she told me. I was like, oh, my goodness. There's many stats out there being circulated at the moment as to the level of exposure that we're getting, not just to the the microplastics and now nanoplastics, but also the gases that are being given off. And a lot of these synthetic materials are being treated with grease and water repellents, stain repellents and flame retardants. And these chemicals, they shed off the fibre and when exposed to sunlight, it can also degradate. And so you have to maintain a very clean home. And yet with wool, we've got the benefits of wool not retaining dirt. It's very easy to care for and maintain. So there's a lot of um, study taking place in terms of the health and well-being aspects. And that's an area that we're bringing focus and attention to, to help people make a, a better decision as to... It's a more informed decision. Yeah, to make a more informed decision and to dispel some of the myths around that spilt glass of red wine on, on the wool carpet because synthetic stain and synthetics fade as well. And so yeah. let's look at the, the bigger picture. And this is, a, this is a value play rather than a cost. So what's really important to you and your family And then at the end of life, what are you going to do to dispose of the carpet safely? We've actually got wool carpet in our house, so I can sort of, I feel like I'm not being an imposter talking about this, but they are just amazing. Like it was, I mean, it wasn't the reason why we bought the house, it was a million other reasons, but it was definitely like a factor that we were like, awesome, that's so so good because, you know, when you're thinking about your family in the future, you want to make sure that you've got a good environment for them, I suppose, and that's one of those, just such an important thing. Well, it's so nice to lie down on yeah. on a carpet and watch, t- watch TV, which you wouldn't do on a synthetic carpet. Yeah, exactly. So there's the residential side. And then on the other side, where we're seeing some very exciting opportunities is the commercial sector. And this is, it has a different set of uh, requirements. And this is driven by standards and specifications and increasingly by legislation. So what we're seeing in the architect and design space is this move to reduce the carbon footprint of buildings. And this is looking at new builds, but also offices that are being refurbished. And when we we were recently in the United States and companies look at refurbing their offices, they're now offering them in some situations, some circumstances, up to a 10% 
premium to outfit them in natural fibers. So that this is really exciting for us to be relevant to a changing commercial environment because post-COVID, with people coming back to the office, they're wanting more comforts. They're looking for something that's more akin to working from home. And if they can be enticed to come into the office because they've got nice wool furnishings with wool fabrics and wool acoustic panels and wool carpeting, then it's going to create a, a much nicer environment, working environment to be in. So in coming back to your original question, how are we helping brands? For these brands working in the commercial sector, we're looking at LCAs, looking at environmental product decorations, and increasingly what's coming in, in next year, 2025, is what's known as EPRs, and this is extended producer responsibility. So this is going to change dramatically the competitiveness of wool against synthetic fibres because the manufacturer of the products is going to be responsible for taking back the product at the end of life. So once you've got the longevity, then that manufacturer is going to have to take it back and find ways of effectively disposing of it. Really, it's a big challenge for carpeting. In New Zealand, just for example, we, through Wasemans, we had the statistics, I think, in 2021 that there is 148,000 tonnes of carpets put into New Zealand landfills every year. Now, 148,000, if you draw a comparison, we only grow 100,000 tonnes of New Zealand strong wool. So we're putting tonnes of carpets into landfill that's going to be there for hundreds if not thousands of years. And the unfortunate aspect is a lot of these carpets have been treated with chemicals to give them flame retardancy, moisture and stain repellency. And these are contained in what Wasteman's referred to as tombs of toxicity. So these are special geolined landfill sites that are capturing the leachate because it's toxic. If only New Zealanders knew that at the point of purchase. You had to think about what you were doing, right? Well, I think this is what the exciting opportunity is. We've got a new generation of consumers coming through, making these um, significant investments into their homes and people like yourself who are considering at point of purchase what their waste disposal route will be and going, well, am I going to be able to get rid of this and can it be repurposed? And that's going to influence their purchasing decision. And that's that's going to be a key driver in influencing the brands and the way that they bring products to market. Okay, so the million dollar question is, when will we start to see changes in the price for farmers? Like, How are we going to get those clearer signals from markets to growers to give them some confidence that the strong wool sector is not dead and gone? This is a sunrise industry. We're on the edge of something really exciting. If we can get our brand positioning right for New Zealand strong wool, there are companies out there overseas who don't even consider wool. So they're trying furiously to look at ways in which they can repurpose synthetics to make it virtuous for their customer base. What we've got is a solution looking for a problem. And we're, we're here to provide solutions to their problems, but... To do that, we, we have to get in front of these brands and create pathways that make, make it easy. So we can continue knocking on the doors of the existing strong wool users, but we see even more potential by aligning with those companies that are being challenged with their synthetic um, product offering. 
And this isn't necessary to, we're not saying we want them to substitute the synthetics. We're just saying extend your portfolio because there are a whole lot of customers out there, consumers who are wanting to buy products made from natural sustainable materials and wool offers you all these functional benefits and and we can support you in bringing new value pipelines back to grower groups back in New Zealand. We've got a fantastic richness of stories that we can be telling around our farms and our environment and and we can build pathways um, through the companies that we've got, leveraging off the existing capabilities and skill sets. We've got the world's most carbon-efficient scouring facilities in New Zealand through Woolworks. And through that, we can build a low-carbon pathway direct to market with selected grower groups and supportive brands and give them something that's really quite unique and different from any any of the synthetic stories that are being told out there. So by us building connectivity with new brands, we've got domestic growth in that non-woven sector. We're seeing growth of the carpet brands, the existing carpet brands that are working with with great export aspirations. So Godfrey Hurst and Bramworth, Walls of New Zealand, they're all creating new export opportunities. There is a movement to bring wool back. And so we're seeing layers and layers all at play. And it's the combination of those that we see as creating, generating new demand. And it's that demand generation that's going to elevate prices. Mm, so hang in there. Hang in there, everyone. <laughs> it's all come. Yeah, hang in. Hang in there. We're working with an architect and design agency in the United States, and they work around the world. And they've already said to us, one of the challenges you're probably going to have very soon is you're not going to have enough for. Yeah. I was literally just thinking that. I was like, you'll have brands scrambling because, you know, with the pressure around sustainability and ESG and doing all the right things, you'd think brands would be, you'd think it'd be the obvious choice for them. Like that's such an easy win. It is, but we need to find those those leaders, those people that will lead by example and set a standard for other brands to emulate. And that's the challenge that we're embarking on now. This weekend, I'm heading off to the United States where we're meeting with a range of different manufacturers and processes to work with them to create a new story around New Zealand strong wool. How exciting. Before we wrap up, Andy, what is one wool product that you think every Kiwi should have in their home? <laughs> I've given you a choice already. There's a whole <laughs> of brands out there. I can't, I can't pick up one single brand. But if someone had no wool in their house, and you said, what's one thing that you should have, what would it be? I would start collecting wool products. Mm. If you really want to be conscious about the environment and the home biome um, and come back to a place that you feel comfortable living in, you start to surround yourself with, with, it could be an area rug, it could be a nice piece of furniture, try some acoustic panels. And then you put in, you bring in your wool duvet and all of a sudden, your, your perception of comfort changes and you appreciate quietness, you appreciate clean air, start on the journey. Love it. What do you think the, let's just go the wool sort of sector, the fibre sector, what do you think the fibre sector is going to look like in 2050? Because I always try and ask my guests what the food and fibre sector in general is going to look like. And some people do challenge me, it's a bit far out, but in your head, what would you love to see the fibre set to doing in 2050? 
2050 is a long way away. I think we could look towards 2030 and see a transformation happen within the strongwall sector that could be very similar to what's happened in the merino sector. The merino sector's been transforming for 28 years and they've taken a fibre from anonymity into being the apex of desirability for fine merino. And I believe we can do exactly the same as that. And we're building a lot of narrative around New Zealand as the world's producer of premium strong wool. We're supporting that with the NZFAP for wool. And we're the first country to have a, a national standard reflecting the integrity of our wool fibre. But looking at that in the context of change, by 2030, I can see a strong, flourishing domestic sector. We've recently launched a navigator tool, and this is a person to support all those innovators in New Zealand who have got a, a wacky, wacky wool idea, and they're thinking of how, how do I bring it to market? Who do I speak to? So instead of them picking up the phone and phoning all these manufacturers, they come to the Will Impact Navigator, and that person is well-informed of all the capability around New Zealand, and they can help provide a pathway so that we can turn these new ideas into, into products. So by 2030, I can see global demand for strong will being very different. We're going to see a market dominated by brands, and growers in New Zealand will be closely associated with brands. Those brands will have relationships with growers in New Zealand and there will become an interdependency. They'll, they'll be reliant on farmers supplying a consistent quality and at a sustainable price point. And through that, we will see new product, new innovation taking place. And I can see that we will have a much more consolidated and collaborative strong wool sector with a, a vision to supporting both domestic and, and export markets. And in support of that, I think we'll see a portfolio of global brands working in a whole range of different market sectors. So coming back to what you were saying before, there's something more traditional and less exciting than carpets. I can see carpets being one part of a, a whole range of products that can go into a home or office environment. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be quite trendy in the future, which is where you can then get a little bit more value, right? Well, it's a niche fibre now. You look at how the world's population has grown and the incredible affluence that's come about in the world, and you'd think, why isn't wool the most sought-after fibre to go into the most luxurious and prestigious homes? And that's the position that we, we need to aspire to, that price doesn't become the obstacle for people putting wool products into their home. It's a symbol of their environmental consciousness and and their understanding of, of building a better planet. I hope by um, 2030, like we, we're not even having this conversation, it's just like wool's just absolutely thriving and we're not saying, you know, how do we how do we help improve the strong wool sector? Andy, any key messages or sort of final thoughts before we go? Uh, just for, the, for those farmers that are involved in wool or if you're a a business that's associated with the wool trade, do stick in there. We need your support and we need your fibre. And we're going to be coming back with new commercial opportunities over the next couple of years. And, and we want brands to come down here and connect with you to recognise and respect the, the work that you are doing to grow your fibre and to really value it. So do stick with it. Don't compromise on your quality, whether it's the quality of, of classing or grading. It's really important because it's not just your farm brand. 
It's the reputation of New Zealand Strongwool. And we're on a pathway to get you back to a sustainable pricing structure. So work with us. We'll be communicating and sharing a lot more over the coming year now that we've got a lot of these initiatives underway. We have the Will Impact website. Uh, sign up for our newsletter and we'll keep you informed of the the tools and initiatives and the foundational ideas that we're putting in place in support of you and, and your business. Amazing. Um, Andy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and really inspiring to hear the change of narrative in the Strongwell sector. Katie, thanks for your time. And maybe we can talk in 2030 about something completely different and refreshing around Strongwell. Something else. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Rabo Talks Growing Our Future podcast. If you're interested in learning more about how Rabobank can support you to succeed into the future, please go to rabobank.co.nz.